Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from The Lancet Neurology. It's October 2023 and I'm Jonathan Blott. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by two authors, Mi Rizig from University College London and Angelica Okubadejo from the University of Lagos, who have published a study on the genetic risks associated with Parkinson's disease in African and African admixed populations. Hello and thank you both for joining me. Please, can you both begin by introducing yourselves? Hello, everyone. My name is Njideka Okubadejo. I'm a professor of neurology at the College of Medicine, University of Lagos in Nigeria. That's in West Africa. I lead the Nigeria Parkinson Disease Research Network of neurologists and basic neuroscientists that are interested in the study of Parkinson disease, including the genetic basis. And the network members are part of the International Parkinson's Disease Genomics Consortium Africa and also part of the Global Parkinson's Genetics Program. So hello everyone, and thank you very much for having us. Uh, my name is May Rizik. I'm a neurologist and a neurogeneticist. Um, I'm currently leading and coordinating the International Parkinson's Disease Genetic Consortium, the Africa section. Uh, and I'm also a member of the steering committee at the Global Parkinson's Program. Uh, I am from a Sudanese origin. Um, I work um, in London, and I live in London. Uh, I'm currently at UCL, Queen's Square Institute of Neurology, and Imperial College London. Um, my research focuses on investigating the clinical and the genetic variations of Parkinson's disease and other neurodegenerative disorders in populations that are underrepresented. Um, specifically, our focus on Africans and individuals uh, with Black ancestries. And I work with my colleagues in Africa and around the world to achieve these goals. Please, can you give some background on the origination of the data sets that were part of the Lancet Neurology Study, i.e. the Global Parkinson's Genetics Program and the International Parkinson's Disease Genomics Consortium Africa? How did these large collaborations come about and what were their aims? Mm -hmm. The Nigeria Parkinson Disease Research Network was born out of the need to have more cohesive nationwide representation in our Parkinson disease studies. And previously, most of the reports that we had were uh, from single sites across the country and had very few participants. And so when we had the good fortune of having colleagues at the University College London, so that's May Rizig, Professor John Hardy and Henry Holden, and also at the National Institute of Health in Bethesda and the Singleton and colleagues who had worked together with us previously in Lagos and who were interested in working uh, collaboratively to meaningfully expand how much work and how much representation there was in the field. It was that opportunity that birthed um, the cohort that we included in the Lancet Neurology paper. And the timing was also right because all these activities coincided with the opportunities and aligned with the vision of the GP2 program and funding from the Michael J. Fox Foundation at the Aligning Science Across Parkinson's project. So the data sets, in essence, uh, that we've included are from this Nigeria cohort and the Black PD cohort of African Americans with Parkinson's disease, and also a very large control group provided by 23andMe. Uh, the main aims were to bridge the diversity gap by including underrepresented populations in PD genetics research. And as we know, most other research that had been published was not um, inclusive of 
a diverse ethnic groups. So there was an underrepresentation of many populations in under in developing countries and of other non-European, non-Caucasian ethnicities. And so it was this opportunity that brought us all together. And we acknowledge all these collaborators that contributed to um, the progress that we have made so far and that the progress we hope to make in the future. And we also acknowledge that without the participants in the research, none of these cohorts would have any meaningful, you, you know, um, um, insights to provide to the understanding of Parkinson's genetics in Black African ancestry populations. So just, um, um, I would like to echo exactly what Angelica said. All these programs um, were born out of frustration of lack of underrepresentation um, in genetic research, specifically from the African continent. Um, and it's born out of um, individual um, hard work um, and team hard work um, and continuous communications between different members in different continents in Africa, um, around Europe um, and the United States. Um, I would just cover a few um, points about the International Parkinson's Disease Genomic Consortium um, and its ethos and aims. So it's a pan-African consortium um, and it's established in 2019. Um, as Angelica said, we focused on research in the Africans, basically clinical and genetic research but at the same time, we promote capacity building, training, and involvement uh, with patients and the public. Um, the consortium main aim is to gather genetic and clinical data from about 10,000 individuals, um, including 5,000 patients and 5,000 controls from various African countries. As for today, we're currently around 150 uh, neurologists and neuroscientists in about 16 African countries. Uh, we initially um, have funding, have our first funding from uh, the Michael J. Fox Diversity Program. And this was in 2019. And in 2021, we joined forces uh, and had partnership with the Global Parkinson uh, Genetic Program. And we, um, since then we have been receiving um, extended funding. And I think Angelica covered a little bit about the basis of the global Parkinson program. But I would like to say this is a very ambitious um, genetic program. Um, it's been supported by an initiative called the Aligning Science Across Parkinson. Um, and it aims basically to accelerate the identification of genetic contributors to Parkinson's disease. But at the same time, establish a network for researchers to utilize the knowledge we generated through this um, to enhance researching and diagnosing and treating Parkinson's disease. The aim is to recruit about uh, 200,000 individuals and gather both clinical genetic data in a unified platform. Um, the program itself is unique because it's um, it strengthened or put a lot of emphasis on collaborations and teamwork. And this came across quite strongly through our paper. So we do have over 40 authors in, in these papers. And the researchers who joined the program did not only contributed cohort, but at the same time provided expertise, whether clinical ex expertise or analytical expertise, um, and 
we used uh, an approach which we call it democratization of data by allowing all members within the consortium to propose analyses and request technical and computational support for data analysis. Um, and the core of the program basically is to accelerate discoveries in underrepresented groups. Um, I think Ingerica covered very well the cohorts which has been included in this paper, um, but I would like to say that it's the largest cohort by far. Um, it might sound a little bit modest of about 1,500 uh, patients, but it's the largest cohort by far from an African and African admix. As Ingerica said, about two-thirds of the cohort are from Nigeria through the Nigerian Parkinson's disease religiously, and one-third through other populations, uh, other studies from uh, the U.S., uh, primarily the Black and African-American connection to Parkinson's disease, which is appreciated by Black PD. Uh, and in addition, that's we leverage data from 23andMe. So overall, it's um, a very ambitious uh, kind of collaboration that is one of uh, which is successful and enjoyable to be part of. And looking at the study's results, the identification of a novel genetic risk factor in the GBA1 gene specific to people of African ancestry is a significant finding. Please describe some of the potential clinical implications of this risk factor. For example, how might this knowledge influence diagnostic approaches for people of African ancestry who are at risk of Parkinson's disease? We're in the process of understanding how this variant impacts on the phenotype of people who have Parkinson's disease. And one of the things that we found is that it confers an earlier age of onset by about two years. Um, we're also conducting follow-up studies already to explore the mechanisms by which the variant influences the occurrence of Parkinson's disease. And the real benefit would then be to translate this understanding into the development of biomarkers for earlier detection of risk for development of disease-modifying or neuroprotective treatments. That's the dream that can halt or slow disease progression. Um, we also anticipate that clinical trials that may follow this discovery and others that we hope to find will include people of Black African ancestry. Um, this has been a void in the past and ultimately be accessible to our population. As science and medicine moves towards personalized uh, medicine, it becomes increasingly important to understand specific risks um, and reasons why people have different diseases, including Parkinson's disease. So we think that this discovery will really be a model for us of how much we can translate and implement findings such as this in terms of how it benefits those with the disease and their families. You also found that the identified GWAS signal was associated with decreased glucocarabrosidase activity. Can you elaborate on, on the role of this and how understanding its activity might affect the development of targeted treatments for Parkinson's disease, both for individuals of African descent and potentially for other populations? So glucocerebridase is a mouthful, <laughs> Jonathan, so in abbreviation, <laughs> is DBA, okay? Um, so the DBA gene, um, I will start from the beginning. So I will describe the GBA gene and what it does and, and how it could influence uh, Parkinson's disease. So the GBA is a gene located in chromosome 1. Um, it encodes uh, an enzyme. Uh, it's called beta glucocerebridase, abbreviated at GKs. 
this enzyme is responsible for the metabolism of um, what we call sphingolipids, which are really very important for the lysosomal function within the cell. The lysosomes are really important in cleaning the cell um, internally. So they are the hunger machine of the cells. Uh, and mutations in this gene have been classically associated with Gaucher disease, um, which is a disease of lipid storage or lipid metabolism. Um, and the symptoms of Gaucher disease include enlargement of internal organs, such as the liver and the spleen, um, and some hematologic and dyscoresis like anemia. Um, in the early 2000s, the GBA gene was linked in Parkinson's disease through Elaine Sidrinsky um, lab um, and work. And since then, around 300 mutations were described within the GBA gene in different populations and linked to increasing the risk to Parkinson's disease. We think the mechanism is related again to the enzymatic activity. So the, redu the reduction of the GK's activity subsequently will result in lysosomal dysfunction and mitochondrial dysfunction and induce the inflammatory process inside the cell and subsequently leads to the main pathology behind Parkinson's disease, which is the alpha-synicillin deposition. GBA-targeted therapy are in clinical trials at the moment, and the main aim is to reduce either the accumulation of the substrate, which is the spingulipids, or increase the GK's activity by replacing the enzyme cell, but mainly at the protein level. So coupling now to the finding from this study and why it's quite unique. So the GBA variant, which is described in the African, is within the lung-coding region from the gene. So it's not a structural variant and it's not a coding variant, and there is no coding or structural variants nearby the signal within the GWAS to account for the GWAS hit. Um, the other thing is, which is unique, it's absent on all other populations. So I mean by absent the pathogenic allele frequency within other populations, including the European and Asian, is basically zero. While it's very, very frequent and common in African ancestries. So about 30 to 40% of the people within they have either one copy or two copies of this variant. In addition, what we found is it's proportionate to the frequency or the, the, the percentage of the African ancestries within the population. So the more African ancestry that you have within the population, the higher the alien frequency of the variant will be. And then having two copies of the variants would increase the risk, as Indirica said, by about 300%, but even having one, one copy will increase it by uh, 150%. And we showed in our paper that, as expected, is associated with the reduction in the GK's activity, like all the other GBA pathogenic variants. But there is, there is an unexpected paradoxical finding where we found that the expression of the RNA, which is the intermediary molecule between the DNA and protein, is not reduced. In fact, that the expression is increasing. And we do not know the mechanism behind this, but it is still a work in progress, as, as in Jenica and Hindu too. We are on the process of 
um, collecting more samples and doing more lab work to understand the function um, of this particular variance and, and by which mechanism it exerts its way. But if it's this true, it will open the avenue for a novel GBA therapies. So it's a new type of therapies which we didn't use before in Parkinson's disease. And this is basically targeting the RNA. So for example, by using um, antisense oligonucleotide, which is um, reducing the RNA within the cell and subsequently hopefully increase the GK's activity. In terms of how this could be beneficial to the African, if we think about the proportion of people who are having that variant and, ha and having Parkinson's disease from African ancestries, um, and extrapolate that um, in terms of number of Africans living in, in globally now, is we're thinking about hundreds of, of thousands of patients. Um, and in terms of benefiting other populations, um, I think will help us better understand the molecular mechanism. So in the beginning, we thought that the GK's activity is reduced through coding and structural variants. That's we know now is not just the coding variants are associated with the reduction of the enzyme activity. Even non-coding variants can cause this. Um, and we would understand more uh, when we conduct more functional analysis um, and understand better the molecular mechanism inside the cell. Looking forward, as the field of Parkinson's disease research moves towards targeted treatments in clinical trials, how important is it to ensure equitable inclusion of ancestrally diverse groups? You've already talked about the problems of underrepresentation, but what steps can be taken to facilitate this inclusion in future studies? So we've learned from our study and that in other fields that one glove certainly doesn't fit all. And so this move towards personalized medicine that addresses individual variability accounting for disease expression is very important. And specifically, this also underlies the importance of not presuming that all therapies would work as well across all populations. And we do have an ethical imperative to therefore include traditionally underrepresented populations in clinical trials so that when we do have results from future clinical trials, we ensure that these uh, medications have been tried in these populations and therefore we can draw credible conclusions as to how these therapies will work in different populations. So to facilitate this inclusion, Studies that demonstrate this diversity, such as ours, are important and should continue to be funded. And this includes research infrastructure, capacity building, and funding to transfer tra technologies for such research locally, so that the local um, researchers in underrepresented areas are able to also contribute not just clinical expertise, but also participate in these uh, clinical trials in a way that is of global best practice. And also, in addition to this, keeping the conversation going at a global level um, and building networks to share expertise and support inclusion are key. So it's really um, heartwarming that the, the GP2 program, ASAP, IPDGC Africa, have provided a model that others can um, emulate or try out to ensure that we don't just include the numbers of 
um, researchers from underrepresented areas, but that there's that engagement in terms of access to data, access to other expertise, real collaboration that makes sense and, um, you know, strengthens uh, the weaknesses that are inherent in the underrepresented areas and which is really the reason why too much research hasn't taken place in those areas. Um, so we have a great example in this collaboration that we have, and we hope that this conversation just continues and the support that is required to keep them alive is made available. Yes, I just wanted to add to what Angelica said is um, the the policymakers need to take into account this type of collaboration need to be within the core of all programs um, because addressing diversity is not just beneficial to the underrepresented groups. It's by far is beneficial for everyone. And we demonstrated through this paper that understanding the diversity within biology is important as understanding the diversity within the clinical profile. But because the technology will get us um, up to a degree or advances up to a degree, but the diversity within the biology of the disease itself, like understanding a different mechanism, will help just not the underrepresented groups like the African, but it will help all populations from all ethnic groups. And, and we need to focus on this and we need to support it um, by using the same model, including increasing funding, increasing representations. And finally, what's next? What are some promising directions for future research in this area based on your findings? Okay, great. So um, starting with this first finding, we're actually moving ahead in that with the support of the entire collaboration. So partners from ASAP, from GP2, from IPDGC Africa, and the individual institutions and networks, we're already on the way to developing a biosample resource that will help us to accelerate functional characterization of these novel etiological insights that we've identified in this, our um, first GWAS. So part of what's happening already is that because we had consented the participants previously and they've been really magnanimous, we've reached back to start following up and studying the biological samples in terms of the function um, as May had described earlier, to understand the function of this variant. And so already we're building that resource that will enable us to do these functional studies. We're also working within a framework that allows other researchers with other expertise in the area of functional studies to access the uh, samples that we are curating at this time. And that's one of the beauties of, of, of the ASAP and GP2 and Fox Foundation collaboration in that it's open science. So even researchers who are not directly linked to the network at present will have the opportunity to access the biosamples and other resources and um, work on them to help us also understand the function. So, so it's a big question. Um, so my generation of neurologists and neuroscientists was taught that Parkinson's disease is a progressive neurodegenerative condition with no cure. And the second line which 
we read in the textbook that when it comes into genetics. So I think our focus in the future is um, to change these two lines in textbooks, hopefully. So, so through our work um, and through in the in the kind of mediate and intermediate term, we set a plan, as Indirica said, is to um, increase our understanding of um, the African cohorts that we have. We will understand better the clinical profile and the frequency of that variance across Africa um, and in other populations. In addition, as our sample size increasing, we'll be able to have more similar GWASs across different parts of Africa. And this hopefully will give us uh, more insight into the genetic risk of Parkinson's disease in different populations within Africa, because Africa itself is not um, homogenous populations. So is by far the most diverse um, continent in the planet with more than 2000 different ethnic groups. So it will be a very enlightening to understand the genetic risk and the factors which contributing to Parkinson's disease if we can across all these different ethnic groups. Um, and ultimately, what we are hoping to have is, as Angelica said, is targeted therapy in the future um, and including everyone um, including patients and the scientific community in the designing and structuring um, of these studies. Um, and I believe this will not be just beneficial, as I said, to one group, not just exclusively to the African or the underrepresented groups, but I think this will be helpful to all um, the scientific community. Thank you both for taking part. I would like to thank Dr. Rizig and Professor Okabadejo for taking part and thank you for listening to this Lancet Neurology podcast. The study we discussed is available online at thelancet.com. Please remember that In Conversation with The Lancet Neurology is available wherever you usually get your podcasts. <laughs>